0: So this morning we are going to um, look at a passage of scripture and following through with our theme uh, over the the last month or so, Uh, looking to to meet those people that Jesus hung out with, Uh, or I would call it this morning, uh, the eyes of Jesus. And So we're going to look at a a group of people from Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38 then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness when he saw the crowds he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd then he said to his disciples The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let's pray. God, this morning as we take time to to look into the teachings that you've given us through the Bible, through the the writers of the New Testament, and in particular Matthew, we pray that, that you will give us a little bit of insight into their world and insight into our world to understand how we too can be laborers in in your harvest fields we pray this in Jesus name Amen so when he saw the, the crowds when he saw the multitudes Jesus heart was moved with compassion because as he looked out upon them he saw that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd going to do a little bit of history lesson on what it meant to be part of the crowds part of the multitudes trying to understand a little bit of Jesus context to see who he was referring to who Matthew was referring to when he wrote down that simple word of the multitudes we're going to start by looking at that that word very simple Greek word the crowd the common people as opposed to the rulers the leading people of society it was a casual collection a mishmash of everybody and any anybody sometimes the word was used to describe a throng or a mob most often it was about people gathered together almost without order without any sense or rhyme or reason just people coming together and that's who Jesus was looking out upon As we consider this passage, and it sounds like it wasn't just one day, because in verse 35 it's talking about he had been going around to the cities and towns, and each city, each town he came to, in around the the Galilee region, he was coming across these crowds, these multitudes that were coming to hear him speak, coming to receive a blessing coming to be healed of their sicknesses and diseases, and coming to hear good news. Because in their world, there was very little good news living in Galilee during the the empire of Rome. When we study a bit more of the, the background of who are the multitudes, we see that they were the common, everyday folk. Now, the common, everyday folk, of first century Palestine is very different from what we imagine. For one thing, in in those days there was no middle class. There were the upper elite, the Romans who were in charge, representing about half a percent of the population. There was the elite who belonged to the society of the Jewish community, the former Jewish nation, the ones we read about sometimes when we we read about the leaders, and they represented maybe another 6 or 7% of the population. The vast majority, especially in the Galilee region, were farmers, fishermen, common laborers, who were barely making enough, to scratch out a living, to take care of their family. Many of them had been landowners, some of them still were landowners, but because of the taxation, three levels of taxation plus a whole bunch of other other ways of taxing the the people, uh, the Romans took their chunk, and then the Jewish leaders oftentimes who were the absentee landlords because the people often had lost their land, to these landlords, uh, because they couldn't pay their taxes, and now they were um, uh, farmers working on land that was no longer theirs, even though it had been their family land for centuries. They were working, uh, and and every harvest, the absentee landlords would show up, or their representatives would show up, and take their cut. And then there was the temple taxes that the people were expected to pay. And there were other taxes thrown in there. Um, If you had a donkey, they could come and take your donkey away for for a few days to go use it. Or if you had a wagon, they'd come and take your wagon and use it for for whatever uh, purposes. The taxation represented at least 40% of their income. This is 40% for the poor who didn't have enough to live on in the first place. They represented about 70% of the population. They were barely eking out a living. Now, the land was a good land. The land produced lots of of, of good crops and harvest for the people. But it wasn't enough. And so they, they struggled to survive. They struggled to meet. And so when Jesus prays, give us this day our daily bread, that's how many of the people were living. The day to day existence. They were lucky if they would have enough to survive two months. And when the harvest wasn't good, or when the fishing wasn't good, and when the weather uh, destroyed their crops, they were still expected to pay their taxes. And so for many of them, it meant loss loss of that family property and going off and trying to figure out how to survive. There was another 20 25% of the population that were a little bit different, again. And the word for them were takos. They were the beggars. They were the ones who literally had lost everything. They were the ones who no longer could survive on their own. They were the ones, for instance, the blind, the lame, the ones with skin diseases who were rejected, the deaf. Anyone living with a disability were a beggar there wasn't the social safety nets that we understand today in their society yes if family could take care of them great but many times the family couldn't take care of them people dealing with mental illnesses people dealing with um, learning disabilities they were left to fend for themselves and oftentimes they weren't even recognized as being people some of you might remember the the musical uh, Chicago and the husband of one of the main characters, this song is called Cellophane Man. And he says, you can walk right through me as if I was never there. And that was the experience of the 25% of the population that they didn't even, uh, people didn't even recognize that they were there, Just, just walk right by them with no existence. The other struggle that many people faced was that it wasn't just all economic, that family and honor were just as strong in the culture as economic uh, needs. And so if you didn't have family, you would be in tacos. If family, if, if your family could no longer support you then you brought shame and dishonor to your family. And so you were an embarrassment to them, and you're further rejected. And many of them were not allowed to to live in in their communities, and so they were vagabonds, they were roamers, they were moving from town to town and village to village and city to city, trying to create some kind of livelihood just to keep some kind of nourishment to keep them alive. And so when you consider some of the parables of Jesus, when you have that kind of background, that kind of understanding, and you read the stories about the landlords who would go away and come back and demand their share of the wealth, we begin to relate. When we read the story of Lazarus and the rich man, we again, we, we begin to start to get a little piece of what the story is about and what the people were, were experiencing, and the ones that in particular Jesus was referring to, that he was speaking to, that he was moved with compassion for. And so as he is speaking, he looks out upon these people. And at one point he says to them, blessed are the, not the ones that 70%, he says, blessed are the tokos, blessed are the poorest of the poor. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Can you imagine being one of those who is the us the poorest of the poor, that nobody ever, ever notices, and you're told that theirs is the kingdom of God? On the one hand, that gives you hope and joy, but on the other hand, there, I could just also imagine many of them going, I don't believe you. If this is what the kingdom of God is, if I have to live like this every day of my life, and you tell me the kingdom of God is, Is mine, and the kingdom of God is about having nothing, and I can't live. And so we have to rethink about what it means to bring good news to the poor. The passage goes on and says, Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. The word there for harassed is sometimes used. In describing a person who has been whipped, and it's the flaying of the flesh, ripping off the flesh, as you're receiving the end of the whip. So it wasn't just a verbal harassment, but there was there there, there was this this uh, understanding that there's pain involved in being harassed. It wasn't just be, it wasn't just being annoyed, but there was suffering, and the people had been suffering. They were harassed and they were helpless. They had no way to fight back. The Jews had a number of of different times of rebellion against the Roman Empire, all squashed down in in towns, destroyed and ruined. Some of you have heard Jordan talk about Magdala. We know that Magdala existed and was a, a, a fishing town of significance that the fish there was smoked and Exported to the Roman Empire. But we also know from, from history that uh, all of a sudden, one day, Magdala no longer existed, only to be discovered about 12, 13 years ago. Because that part of, of Galilee had rebelled against the Empire in around 65 AD, had freedom for a couple of years. But it was a Roman Empire, and they came down with their legions and systematically wiped out town after town. And one day the town was there, and the next day the town had been demolished and left in ruins, and then covered with dirt. Only to be discovered two thousand years ago. That's what it meant to, to be harassed and helpless under the Roman Empire. And so we have Jesus continuing. And it says there that. That he's moved with compassion. That uh, in being moved with compassion, there was a suffering. That Jesus, as he looks out upon them, compassion means to suffer with, and he felt their pain. Maybe because his family, too, were part of that society. Not maybe, but because his family was part of that society, his family, too, had suffered. And so he knew what it meant to be harassed and helpless. And so he felt their pain. I heard a song a couple weeks ago, and I'm sure it's, it's older and some of you may have heard it before. It's called All My Favorite People. And uh, the main li- one of the main lines of the song says, Because all my favorite people are broken. Believe me, my heart should know As for your tender heart, this world's going to rip it wide open. It ain't going to be pretty, but you're not alone. Compassion. Understanding the brokenness of the world that we live in. Understanding the suffering that people have gone through. Taking a moment to not just walk by, but to stop and feel their pain. The poverty here in Toronto is very different from the Poverty of first century Palestine. Poverty here in Toronto is very different from poverty in many parts of the world, in the world that we live today. And yet there's still poverty, there's, there's a brokenness, there's a hurt and a pain that people experience. Mother Teresa, when she was asked about uh, coming to North America, would she set up um, some of the orphanages here in North America? Uh, she was commenting on poverty in North America. And she said, "Your poverty is very different from what I experienced in India." She said, "Your poverty is a poverty of loneliness and isolation. When everybody around you has everything and you have nothing, the pain is all yours with no one to share it with." So we need to stop and ask ourselves some of the pain. Suffering. Well, last few years I've had a couple of different jobs. I've had a chance to meet some new people. I'm working most recently with uh, Church of the Redeemer at, at Avenue Road and, and Bluer. Uh, they have a drop-in for the homeless, and right now it's not in the, the church, uh, but we're serving meals outside at the front of the church as people line up. And to go to the front doors to receive a meal and some of the individuals I've gotten to know and were at Scott Mission, those that were living in the shelter there and I can't help but to think of some of their stories and so I'm going to share just a couple just so that we can get a little glimpse of the pain and so the, the first one is David. David has grown up all of his life in Toronto, probably never gone outside of the city limits, in fact maybe has not gone further east than young street because his life has been in one little section of the city in the west end his mother was a prostitute he has no idea if she's still alive or not but his whole childhood and teenage experience was all based upon living in brothels or in strip clubs. And when mom is moving around to different places, you never get enrolled in school. And how does a child grow up in Toronto without ever entering a classroom? It happens because nobody knew that he existed. He was one of the tacos of, of our day. And so he learned to survive on the streets. At fifteen he hit the streets. Yes, he's a common thief. If you have a nice bike, either he or one of his friends will find it downtown and will steal it. And they'll sell it for parts. They're very good at what they do. Because there is for him no other way to survive. And that is his life. I can't help but to think of another gentleman, this is going back to the eighties and Lambert, Lambert was one of our soldiers, represented Canada in the Korean War. Lambert was a good soldier. Lambert talks about the battles that that they were in during that war. Lambert spent much of his life, a young life, as a soldier. Lambert had, was a big man, Lambert had big hands. I didn't realize until a little bit later on that one of the reasons Lambert's hands were so big was because he was a boxer. He was the Canadian champion in our army, uh, boxer, and uh, he was a tough guy. But between growing up on a reserve, probably had gone through the, the school system that we keep hearing about, the residential schools ending up in the military, ending up having a violent life, alcoholism took over his life. Oftentimes, I I remember one time, and, and Lambert wasn't good at taking care of himself, and he smelled, but on occasion he would come in and, Lambert, you smell good today. And then it would dawn on me, it's because he's been drinking Lysol before he came, or he's been drinking Aquavalva before he came that's when Lambert smelled good. And the drunker Lambert was, the more Christian he was. Because he remembered his, his, his Christian upbringing. And the drunker he was, he would come and put his arm around you. He didn't have any choice to put his arm around you. And he would say, pray with me. And everybody knew, because he said it in a loud voice. Everybody knew he wanted you to pray, and, and now everyone expects you to pray with him whether you want to pray with him or not. And so Lambert and I would and, and, and he would just drop to his knees. Um, and it didn't matter if it was in Evergreen or whether it was out on busy Young Street. If he found you and he was drunk, he wanted you to pray with him. And I'd pray with him and then he would squeeze my hand and he would say the Lord's Prayer. What is good news to Lambert? What does it mean to him when he says, Give me this day my daily bread? Lambert disappeared from our community. We tried to track him down. We, we tried to find out if he was dead or alive, and we just assumed he died. And again, he is that cellophane man. Nobody knows if he exists. And then there was the gentleman I met last week. Roy, I imagine that if Andrea here were here, she would know who I'm referring to because Roy lives under the, uh, the Bloor Viaduct and has lived there for approximately 10 years, as far as he can remember. He's not quite sure how long he's lived there. And he came, and he came, he'd missed our meal time, and so he, he wanted something to eat. And so I went and got him a, a bag lunch and and it was just him and I and so he, he wanted someone to talk to, we sat down on the stairs and, and uh, he was, began telling me a little bit of his background. And, um, and he, he began talking about... Uh, oh, I'd mentioned to him I'd been to two funerals in the past week. And he was moved with compassion for me. It wasn't me being moved for, with compassion for him. And he began talking about the difficulty saying goodbye to people and he said that six months ago he lost his mother through COVID and I said oh I I feel your pain I lost my mother a year and a half ago and he said we have something in common we're sharing life together is what he said and then he quoted a poem and and I was so moved by this poem that afterwards I went and looked it up because I, I thought he, he must have memorized this, and, and he repeated it, but I couldn't find it. It was his own original poem, and it talked about his mother having a crystal heart. He wanted to protect her crystal heart, that her heart would never be broken, and, and, and it talked about his own pain and suffering, and and his biggest fear was that he would do something that would break his mother's Crystal heart. It was a long poem. It was beautiful. Then we came. For those that know, um, probably none of you know, but there's there's stairs that go down to the the side door of the church, and that's where we were. We went up to the top, and and uh, all of a sudden he threw himself down on the sidewalk. And he's lying there, and it looks like I'd punched him and knocked him down. And and, and again. This is right at Avenue Road in Bloor, hundreds of people crossing the street, and and, and there he's lying down, he's looking up at me, and he says, I have a word for you. I'm not going to share what he said because it was for me. It wasn't for you. But the stuff he shared with me that day for about five minutes looking up at me from the ground um, was exactly what I had shared with Lil and a close friend and nobody else what was going on in my thought patterns uh, of some of the stuff that I experienced recently. He nailed it. The Spirit of God was alive and well in Roy. So we are called to be people who are moved with compassion. Those are just my stories. You have your own collection of stories. And you're collecting them every time you are meeting with people because all our favorite people are broken. The harvest is plentiful but the labors are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So one of the things we do is on Thursdays and Fridays we we have these big tool carts. We load them up with sandwiches and coffee and oatmeal and, and uh, clothing and stuff and we, we march down Uh, Bluer Street, and these two big carts, and everybody is jumping out of our way, and they're smiling, and 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 it's amazing. Uh, People are handing us money sometimes, just saying, "Hey, good work," because it says uh, the Common Table, Church of the Redeemer, uh, what we're doing. Um, But uh, this this one day we went out, and the only time in the two months that I've been there where we actually had somebody, a couple, I was. I was bent down talking to this guy on the sidewalk at Bay and Bloor, and uh, and th- there was myself and three volunteers, and um, and I could hear this noise in the background, but I, I was focusing on the, the gentleman I was talking to, and, and then I heard our volunteer who had spent twenty six years of his of, of his forty five years in prison, including almost half of it in solitary confinement, and and, and he and he yelled out but we're all people created in the image of God in a loud voice. That got my attention. I had to get up and see what's going on. And there's this older, very well-dressed couple, and she was pointing her finger, and she was saying to our volunteers, you have to stop what you're doing, because if you continue to provide them with things, you're only going to encourage them, and they are going to ruin our neighborhood. She had somehow missed the compassion of Jesus. And I took the guy, the volunteer who was uh, just out of jail, to remind her that people are created in the image of God. Then the husband looked at the poor guy on the sidewalk who's dealing with physical and, and mental disabilities. And he goes, He just needs to get a job. I said to him, would you hire him? <laughs> it wasn't the appropriate thing to say, just what came out. I <laughs> um, just realized that there's no way to settle this gentleman down. So they, they live in the Yorkville area. I wanted to tell him that the residents association that he, belonged, he and his wife belonged to had just given... Common table, a gift of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars that came from the residents, his neighbors, like what we do so much, that they support they support our work, and and many of them are volunteers, are committed to caring for for others, and so we asked for God to send out the laborers in the field. Another gentleman that was there was a a retired corporate lawyer. And he said, for the first time in my life, I didn't have a good punchline. Because he wanted to defend this gentleman on the sidewalk. God is looking for more laborers to bring in the harvest, to care for those who are the neglected, to share with them the good news of the coming kingdom. Jesus Christ I know a lot of you are already doing it maybe all of you are already doing it so my word to you today is encouragement to just keep on doing it keep on demonstrating the love of of God to everyone who you look into their eyes and look to see the eyes of Jesus as you look let's pray God you are a great loving God a God full of compassion full of mercy, abounding in love, forever and ever. God, we pray that, that you will place your love, your compassion into our hearts. That when we're feeling tired, when we're feeling frustrated, when we're feeling angry, that you would restore our souls so that we can be ones who are your, your workers in, in, your, in your vineyard to bring in the harvest. Fields are ripe unto harvest. Give us eyes to see, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. God bless.